1 Corinthians chapter 1, and uh, we'll get started here. We're now down to verse number 10, and we're just going to jump in. We've been through the introduction, the first nine verses, and uh, all the niceties are over. All the soft uh, opener is over. All the kit gloves, the gloves are off now, as he would say, because verse 10, now I beseech you. And what's going to happen here, Paul has really in the first nine verses, a tremendous passage uh, that that establishes, certifies, uh, validates, sets in stone the doctrine of eternal security. In other words, what Paul, he says some very comforting things about the Corinthians uh, to the degree that even though they're not faithful, even though they're off in carnality, in immorality, even though they're all messed up, but yet Paul reminds them that their eternal place, their eternal position, their standing, their, and, and all of that in Christ is not in jeopardy. They don't stand. So the issues that we're going to be looking at when we talk there in verse 2 about sanctified, we are not talking about their justification. That's a done deal. That's set. And, but rather now we're, Paul's going to get on them. He's going to jump on them. And he does it from the very start because their lifestyle isn't matching their position in Christ. And that issue here now of we need to get your life back in line with the doctrine. So here's why you're messed up. Here's what, how to get it, the corrective doctrine and so forth. So, verse 10. Now I beseech you, brethren, by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that ye all speak the same thing, and that there be no divisions among you, but that ye be perfectly joined together in the same mind and in the same judgment. For it hath been declared unto me of you, my brethren, by them which are of the house of Chloe, that there are contentions among you, Now this I say, that even one of you saith, I am of Paul, and I am of Apollos, and I am of Cephas, and I am of Christ. Is Christ divided? Was Paul crucified for you? Or were ye baptized in the name of Paul? Now the goal is to get through those from 10 to 13. I don't think we're going to get there, so we're just going to go. And we'll go till the hour's up, and then we'll just pick up there. I've, I've got us plan to go down through verse 13, but there's a lot going on here. Because what Paul begins the, 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 the corrective doctrine concerning here is this issue of there is divisions and contentions among you. He, he'll say there in verse 10, Now I beseech you, brethren, by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that ye all speak the same thing, and that there be no divisions among you. The end of verse 11, that there are contentions among you. And some are saying, I'm of Paul, I'm of Paulus, I'm of Cephas, and I'm of Christ. And what literally begins to happen here is Paul's going to lay out the reasoning for the division. The reason for the division that's going to come, that's that's there in the the church at Corinth, but really the reason for division in the church, the body of Christ as a whole, as a corporate entity, is the fact that they're, they're arguing about and over the, the apostolic authority of the Apostle Paul. And what they're doing is, is that the real cause of the division is there are groups, there are folks at Corinth who are challenging Paul's authority and they then are some that are denying Paul's apostolic authority. And this is really why Paul starts this way. Because if you're going to, one, there, in, in the first three chapters, there's three reasons why people don't believe the mystery doctrine. The first one is the failure to allow the word of God to be the final authority, ultimately. The second one is, is that they fail to recognize the Apostle Paul as their apostle. And then, you get in, and then you get into the third issue there about not really understanding how the Holy Spirit works today. 
he works through his word. That would be chapter 2 and 3 and so forth. So what happens when you go off into apostasy is if you turn over to 2 Timothy 1, I just it, this is not brain surgery. This is pretty straightforward. And again, this is why Paul is going to deal with this issue right off the bat here. 2 Timothy 1 verse 8. He says to Timothy, Be not thou therefore ashamed of the testimony of our Lord, nor of me, his prisoner. If you're going to go off into apostasy, you're going to leave the testimony of our Lord. You're leaving the word of God rightly divided. That's the testimony. And then you're going to leave who? The apostle Paul. There it is. You can say everything. It does doctrinally. Now go back to 1 Corinthians 1. Doctrinally, it doesn't matter. Fundamentally, the reason people miss the, 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 the message completely, the mystery doctrine, the reason they miss right division, the reason they go off into apostasy is the word of God is not their final authority. Some man is or some book is. And then they, they don't recognize the ministry and the message given to the apostle Paul. And that's what Paul's going to be addressing here back here now in chapter 10. There's, there is this great push, if you, if, uh, chapter 1, I'm sorry, verse 10. But if you look at verse 12, Now this I say that every one of you saith, I am of Paul, and I of Apollos, and I of Cephas, and I of Christ. And you've got these four men here. You've got this four divisional division here. And what happens is, is you pull a commentary off the wall, off the bookshelf, and you begin to read about these guys, and what every, almost every commentary gets to eventually is that this division is one of personality and likability. So you have a division, you have different individuals that have different likabilities. Some will say, I want to follow Christ and the words of Christ because they're read in my Bible, and I'm going to follow Christ. Others like Peter, because Peter's the first apostle, don't you know? He's the founder of the church. So we go, and Apollos, Apollos was eloquent in the scripture. He was smooth as butter. Paul wasn't so much. Paul was rudimentary, rude in his speech, and, and, but his letters are powerful and so forth. And literally what the books say is they look at this and they say, see, it's about likability, it's about personality. So then what does that lead you to think? They're all saying the same thing, and they're not, okay? The reality here is something far deeper going on. Anyone who, by the way, anyone who opposes Paul and sound doctrine and right, you know what they say? It's a likability issue. It's a personality issue. So they're, because those folks that don't understand right division or are opposed to it, they make everybody say the same thing. They say, Paul just picked up where Peter and the 12 left off in Acts 2, and, off, and, and when you get into it, guess what? It's not the same thing. So there's something much deeper happening here than just a personality or a likability issue, okay? And it's, and it's set up for us in verse 10. So let's look at verse 10. Now I beseech you, brethren, by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that ye all speak the same thing, that there be no, and that there be no divisions among you, and that ye be perfectly joined together in the same mind and in the same judgment. In that, in, notice the terminology, same, speak the same thing, have the same mind, and have the same judgment. So in the letter here in 1 Corinthians and in 2 Corinthians, Paul, and especially 1 Corinthians, Paul is going to, he's establishing a framework of doctrine here for the body of Christ, Corinth specifically, but us as a whole, to be able to speak the same thing, to have the same mind, and to exercise the same judgment. So the issues here of the division and the cause of them is something deeper than just likability and personality. It's actually the issue is doctrinally. And what we are going to see here is these four guys represent four different doctrinal systems 
of teaching. And we'll see that as we go here. That's why I've got eight, like eight pages of notes this morning for you, okay? And it's more for me to stay on track. Otherwise, we would be, you know, we wouldn't get out of the now in verse 10, you know, <laughs> okay? And Linda asked me one time, she goes, why in the world did we go five years in Romans? I go, well, because, and she goes, no, we don't have to know why that comma is there, you know? <laughs> I go, yeah, you do. That's Bible study, you know? Uh, but uh, she, she, anyway, she means well. <laughs> so there's something deeper here. Uh, again, as Paul is going to provide this corrective doctrine, it's in order that the saint can be speaking the same thing, have the same mindset, and there, therefore have that proper wisdom to properly apply the doctrine to the details of life. And that's really what judgment is. Judgment, discernment the proper, the ability to properly apply the doctrines learned to the details of life. And again, I'll, I said it in Romans, I'll say it here. I'll say doctrines learned because not everybody has learned the doctrine. Even though he's given it to us, we're still what? We're still inadequate in certain doctrines, and that's why we have corrective doctrine, Okay. And again, I can't drag you and make you grow. You have to do that. Your edification is on you. I can give it, lay it out there in front of you, but you've got to take it and move forward. So the same judgment. And the four, the four men in verse 12, they are going to represent four different doctrinal systems, and that's what's going to lead the saint to not say the same thing to not have the same mind, and to not have the same judgment, okay? And again, the, the, that's the, the, the reason for the division is ultimately who are we following? Well, you choose. You're going to follow Christ, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. You're going to follow Cephas, which is Acts 2, the Acts ministry, Peter. Or are you going to follow Apollos, who, by the way, knew nothing but John the Baptist, so he goes back before John the Baptist, by the way, if you follow Apollos and you follow John the Baptist, I'll say it now because I'm thinking about it, and I'll say it again, you're literally look, still looking for the Messiah to come. Because what did John the Baptist do? He's the crier. He's announcing the Messiah. If that's all I know, then what am I still? The Messiah isn't here yet. The Holy Spirit isn't here yet, see? So now we're, but if you, and you, again, you follow Paul, now you're in, so the divisional issue here is deeper than personality and likability and really if you think about Corinth some 20 years later after the crucifixion the death burial and resurrection they wouldn't have never met the Lord Jesus Christ how would they know the liking or not in, in personality and so forth by the way how they do that is somebody's what told them okay see that's the that's the issue here and we'll see that as we go along you think about the Lord Jesus Christ and his earthly ministry. In my notes, I use little acronyms, and mine is EMJC, Earthly Ministry of, of Jesus Christ, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. He's, what is he doing in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John? He's establishing the 12 apostles, the governmental structure of the kingdom, and he's building, I'm, I'm, I've come to save the, the, the lost sheep of the house of it. I've, he's coming to establish the little flock to do something. So there is a proper response and a reaction to the, to the doctrine that Christ delivered to them. So the little flock can do what? They can properly respond. They can speak the same thing, have the same mind, have the same judgment, because it, but it's based on what? The teachings of the Messiah. Okay? You think about Paul. Think about the Lord. You remember what, what, the, what did the Lord say about giving, tithing? It isn't 10%, it's what? 100%. Sell it all, bring it in, do. Okay? Now, can you follow those instructions today? Sure. But what's it going to leave you? Broken, destitute, and homeless. But what is Paul's ministry and message about giving? Cheerful giver, as you purposed in your heart. Now, both are Bible doctrine. One is sound Bible doctrine, and the other one will get you in trouble. 
So then which one do I follow? Well, in this case, I'm going to follow Paul because I ain't giving my money to the preacher ever, you know, see. So that's the point here. Paul is going to provide a different set of information on how to respond to some similar situations in life that are in complete contradiction to what Christ says in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, see. And that's the point here. That's why it's something deeper than just likability and personality. It's a doctrinal system that's different. When he says in verse 10, that ye all speak the same thing, okay? Again, it's all about doctrine. Now, come over to 2 Corinthians chapter 13. And we're going to do this with 2 Corinthians 13, or 2 Corinthians as we go, because, and, and it's legitimate to, do, to look at 2 Corinthians in light of 1 Corinthians, because in 1 Corinthians, he lays in the corrective doctrine, and in 2 Corinthians, he comes in and he just provides some final touches on some things as they come up. But look at verse 3. Now, just think about where, where, where we're at. There's a division, there's contentions, and we got the four guys on the, on the scene. And he says, verse 3, Since ye, and that's the church at Corinth, seek a proof of Christ, what? Speaking in me, which to you were is not weak, but is mighty in you. Notice Christ is speaking where? In me, in Paul. They didn't recognize, so therefore they need to recognize that Christ is speaking in and through Paul. So then they're able to do what? Speak the same thing. Think about Christ and his earthly ministry. He spoke all the way up to the cross. When the cross events happened, he didn't speak very much. He just answered the accusations concerning his doctrine. He would talk to Pilate a little bit. He only spoke seven times from the cross. I'm talking about publicly out. After the resurrection, he spends 40 days, but he only spends that with the, the apostles, the 11. the twelve. Well, Matthias would have been in the room, the 12. Okay, But the thing is, is he doesn't speak anymore after the ascension in Acts 1. But yet he does speak, but through who now? Through Paul. See, when, when G, Jesus in John 14 and then 16 says, when I go... The Father will send another comforter, the Holy Spirit, and he's the one that's going to lead you. The Christ quit speaking. And yet what does Paul say? Christ is working through me. So by recognizing that Paul and Christ, Christ is working through Paul, then you would never argue about the doctrine of Paul, that Paul is communicating. Where is Christ speaking today? Through Paul. They're like, nope, we want Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And therefore, we're not able to speak the same thing. But if we recognize where Christ is speaking, then what are we going to do? Say the same thing. See, And that's the speaking the same thing. Again, Paul and Christ, if you look at the earthly ministry of Christ and you look at Paul's ministry, they, they're going to say some things that contradict each other. Come back to Acts 13. I'll just give you one right here, right off the bat. Acts 13. Get Acts 13 and Acts uh, chapter 3. Acts 13, Paul's first recorded ministry or message in the book of Acts. Now, he's been preaching long before this. He says in verse 38, Be it known unto you, therefore, men and brethren, that through this man is preached unto you the forgiveness of sins, and by him all that believe are justified from all things which ye could not be justified uh, by the law of Moses. Completely different. Okay? Uh, Come over to um, Acts 3. And then get Matthew 21, I think it is. How about Matthew 20? So Paul says, forgiveness of sins is now made available to 
all, everybody outside of the law of Moses. Law of Moses ain't getting the job done. Matthew 20, hold on to Acts 3, Matthew 20, 28. Even as the Son of Man came not to be ministered unto, but to minister and to give his life a ransom for many. So that's, a different, that's different. Many, okay? Now come to Acts 3, because here's Peter. Acts 3, verse 19. Peter speaking, Repent ye therefore, and be converted, that your sins may be blotted out. When the, when the time of refreshing shall come from the presence of the Lord, and he shall send Jesus Christ, which before was preached unto you, whom the heavens must receive until the time of restitution of all things, which God has spoken by the mouth of all his holy prophets since the world began. What did Acts 13, what did Paul say? No, your sins are forgiven. See, The Lord said, I'm here for the many, the little flock, the nation of Israel, Peter says, yeah, he came and died, and he's a ransom for many, and, but your sins are going to be blotted out when? Your forgiveness happens in that kingdom. Not right now. Paul says right now you have the forgiveness of sins. Now, by faith they believe that and so forth. Now, come back to 1 Corinthians 1. My point is, is the issue here is that they are not saying the same thing. And, and if I'm going to speak the same thing, then what should we be doing? Following Paul, not Christ and Cephas and Apollos. And that's the issue here. Verse 10, then he says, but that ye be perfectly joined together in the same mind. Uh, 1 Corinthians, look over at chapter 2 and verse 16. Wait till we get down into these verses in about two years. <laughs> 2.16, for who hath known the mind of the Lord that he may instruct him? But we have the mind of Christ. Think about that. Christ is speaking through Paul, and then he says what? We have the mind of Christ, so guess what we can do? Not only can we speak the same thing, but now we can mind the same thing. Chapter 7. Of 1 Corinthians. Then he says, we, we're to have the same judgment. Chapter 7, and look at verse 40. Chapter 7, verse 40, but she is happier if she so abide after my judgment. And I think also that I have the Spirit of God. So where is Paul's judgment coming from? Who? The Spirit of God. See, so the Spirit of God, working in and through Paul, produces the what? The same judgment. The same application of some, and when we get into chapter 7, we'll talk, be talking about marriage and everything, and there's, there's a reason why chapter 7 sits where it sits, and there's because of the things going on in that local assembly. So when you come back to chapter 1, Paul says, look, we need to speak the same thing. We have to need to speak the same thing. We need to have the same mind. We need to exercise the same judgment. And the way we do that is by acknowledging where God is speaking, where is God working today. He's working in and through the apostle Paul. So how does the church there at Corinth, how do we come together then and speak the th same thing, have the same mind, have the same judgment? Well, what do we have to do? We have to acknowledge what and where God's working today. What is he doing? See, we have to come in here and we have to acknowledge that the apostolic authority of the apostle Paul, his ministry, his message, and so forth. And I know what happens. People say, oh, you, Paul's got a big old ego. He just talks about himself all the time. Are you sure about that? You know, look over at chapter 4 of 1 Corinthians. Every time you hear Paul talk, about himself in a glowing manner. It is not about himself. It is about the office he holds. Romans 11, he says, I magnify my office. When he talks about himself, you ought to pay, look at verse 13, 413. You ought to notice how he talks about himself. Being defamed, we entreat. We are made as the filth of the world and are the offscoring of all things unto this day. That's how he thinks about himself. He thinks of himself, 2 Timoth Timothy 1, 
of, as a blasphemer and a persecutor and injured. He never says, I'm the greatest guy since sliced bread. He never says that. He says, I am the least of all. I am not meet to be, see. He knows where, he doesn't have a hot, big head, but yet when you talk, when you come in and you come back to chapter 110, when you, when you see him talking about his ministry, his message, his authority, he defends it because he understands that that's where God is working today. That's where God is waving the white flag, the yellow flag, the green, whatever, to get the church's attention. I am over here now visiting the Gentiles. That's where, so Paul understands what's going on. That's why in 1 Corinthians, he is going to defend, he's going to establish, he's going to go after him about his apostle, who he is as the apostle because he knows that that's where we're going to speak the same thing, we're going to have the same mindset, and we're going to have the same judgment. It's going to be in the information given to me, to, to the apostle Paul, not me, but Paul, and that's where we're at. So to have, and by the way, to, in order to have true unity, there was a big push over the, uh, the, the recent, well, I guess I can't say recent years because this goes back to early 2000s, to, to have unity. And the only way to have true unity is to recognize the Word of God in English in the King James Bible and the authority of the Apostle Paul. That's the only way to have unity. You know how you know that? That's what verse 10 just said. If we're going to have the same mindset, the same speech, the same, then we have to recognize. And yet we all come from backgrounds when that just isn't the fact. Where are we? We're over in Christ ministry, earthly ministry, or we're like, we love Peter, but they just trip over themselves about good old Pete and Acts. And but yet we'll take Apollos because he's smooth and we like to listen to the guy that's smooth, see, and but yet he, his understanding at the time is limited. We'll see that here in just a little bit. But in order to do verse 10, which is he, Paul says, I, I hear that there, that there be no divisions among you. Chloe, the house of Chloe, they've, been, they've let me know that there's contentions among you. And the contentions part is some say I'm of Christ and Paul and Apollos and, and Peter and Cephas and Christ. And you know what we have? We just, no, guys, no. We got to be in the same place. We all, we all have to come to the same source. Because usually what, ha what does religion say? You decide for you. Well, I, I feel a little bit of a John 3.16 today, you know. Really? You know what? A, <laughs> you guys know John 3.16? I hope you do. You know what a better verse for you and I today is than John 3.16? Is Romans 5.8. See? John 3.16, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should per not perish but have everlasting life. Romans 5.8, But God commended his love toward us, and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. That's a much better verse than Romans 3.16. But yet, oh, I just feel a little bit of, I need a little loosey-goosey Holy Spirit today, so we're in Acts 2, you know. And it's like, so where's the source? I'm the source. And Romans 1, that's a bad place to be, see. The great illustration that I heard about was the clock in the church building. We have a clock here. I have a clock here. And I have a clock on the cell phone. There's a clock next door. And guess what? All of them are different. So then who is the authority? Which one do we go by? Well, that one is fast to get Rick to be done quicker. So we don't go by that one. This one is slow. So we're going by this. No, what do we do? There, isn't there, what, what's the main clock? Uh, the na yeah, so now we got to go back and in, in, in the atomic clocks and stuff. and Okay, well, but that's what Paul's doing. Guys, we, there's only one source for information today doctrinally, and it's the message given to me. You guys are in all these others, so now we can choose and pick. Now we can come over here and look at this or look at that, see. So what begins to happen now is Paul's going to deal. So, so 
there's some things here that's going on much deeper than the personality and the likability, and it has to do with the doctrinal difference and what each of these guys are teaching, okay? Now, come back to Romans 16, verse 17, and we're going to read this verse, and we're going to kind of come back to it here uh, in, in our thinking as we go. When we ended Romans... I gave you the link here, one of the, one of the two really links into Corinthians in verse 17. Now I beseech you, brethren, mark them which cause divisions and offenses contrary to the what? To the doctrine. Which ye have learned. Again, doctrines learned and avoid them. For they that are such serve not our Lord Jesus Christ, but their own belly, and by good words and fair speech deceive the hearts of the simple. So how do they work? They're smooth operators. In Psalms, when he talks about the Antichrist, he, call, he says that his speech is smooth as butter. Why? He's a politician. That's what his job is. Verse 20, And the God of peace shall bruise Satan under your feet shortly. First time we find and read about Satan in Paul's epistles is right there. And again, the bruising there, yes, it has, yes, you can look out into the future day when he comes back, but, but in the moment, you can defeat the adversary by what? By pay attention to 17 and 18. In verse 19, for your obedience has come abroad unto all men. And the obedience there is the obedience of faith. So if I want to bruise Satan under my feet right now, which we're supposed to, okay, what am I going to do? I'm going to stick with the doctrine and let all that other out there just go. And it'll be the obedience of my faith that then deals with Satan. Again, yes, when he's second coming and all that stuff, yes, that's true. But in, Paul's not talking about that. Paul's talking about right here in the moment what the doctrines learned. So Satan has, there's going to be a strategy now. And the strategy is going to be to use good words and fair speeches. By the way, but their own belly, that's their own self-interest. Okay, you belly up to the table to eat. You're eating what you like to eat. You know, Linda asked me last night, do you want salmon? I'm like, nope. I've had all week with no salmon. I don't need salmon tonight. She goes, what would you like? I said, what would you like? She goes, pizza. I said, sounds good. Let's go. You know, and we bellied up to Mod Pizza and got a pizza, her one, and, I, and we get home, and I ate my whole one. She ate half her, and, she, and I'm looking at it, and she goes, uh-uh, that's mine. You just go back over there. You can eat a salad. You know, I'm like, oh, Okay. You know, but what? That's your own, your own serving yourself. How are they doing it? Good words and fair speeches. Okay? By the way, they're scriptural, not dispensational. That's what they're doing. Now, come back to chapter 1 of 1 Corinthians. So, put that issue in the back of your mind as we move forward the, the, the rest of this morning, because that's what's happening here. Verse 12. Now this I say that every one of you saith, I'm of Paul, and I'm of Apollos, and I'm of Cephas, and I of Christ. Again, those four different doctrinal systems, okay? Now, come over to chapter 11 of 1 Corinthians, chapter 11. Because I, I just, I want you to see what's happening here as Paul begins to deal with these issues here about division, Okay? Because he's going to address the issue of divisions. What's happening here? Verse 18, 11, 18. For first of all, when ye come together in the church, I hear that there be divisions among you, and I partly believe it. So he's going to address the issue of division. Again, back to chapter 1, verse 10, and verse 12. When he says here, when you guys come together, I hear that there be divisions among you. They're a very dysfunctional local assembly, okay? The, the, the context here of chapter 11 will end up being the issue of the Lord's table. Uh, some call it communion. I call it the Lord's table. And when they come together, there's great, there's great dysfunction going on here. And he says, I partly believe it. And partly there isn't, well, maybe I do, maybe I don't. Partly is the, the partial reason for all of the dysfunction is the what? The division. Because you've got Christ saying one thing, Peter saying one thing, Apollos is silent, 
And then Paul comes in and says, nope, you got to do it this way. You know, so you got all of this. Now look at verse 19. For there must be also heresies among you, that they which are approved may be made manifest among you. Now think about verse 19. Heresies. Paul just said in verse 18 that the, the, there are divisions among you. And the reason for that is the dysfunction of you guys got four guys you're trying to follow, four different systems. And what did the divisions produce in verse 19? Heresy. So the result of the division is what? Heresy. Now, that was hard, wasn't it? Okay? But that's the issue. But then he says that, they're, which, that they which are approved may be manifest among you. So how are you approved? Well, we've got a verse, 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 15. Come on to 2 Timothy 2, 15, if you need to go there. <laughs> you shouldn't, but if you do, that's fine. 2 Timothy 2, 15. Study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. So how is one approved? Well, studying, yeah. But how do you study? You rightly divide the word of truth. So when you come back to chapter 11, verse 19, what happens, what is needed to eliminate the division, to eliminate the heresy? What are they to do? They're to look for those that are approved. They're to look for those who are rightly dividing the word of truth. How am I approved of God today? Rightly dividing the word of truth. So if there's heresies that pop up, who do I go look for then? I'm looking for the one who's rightly dividing the word of truth, which means I'm what? I'm looking for the one that is in Paul's camp. You follow that? If you want to, in order, the divisions, from divisions comes heresies, bad doctrine, and the issue to fix all that, the corrective doctrine, is to get back to speaking the same thing, speak, having the same mind, and having the same judgment. And where do I go to do that? I have to rightly divide the word of truth. So in 11, 18, and 19 here, Paul provides the answer for the division, for the heresy, for the contentions. What? Get over there with the guy approved. Get over there with the guy rightly dividing the word. That's where you need to be. But, man, he just doesn't talk nice. You know, his English is horrible. But so what? See, that's a personality like ability. It isn't that. It's doctrine. So when you come back to chapter 1, verse 12, I say that every one of you saith, I am of Paul, I am of Paulus, and I am of Cephas, and I of Christ. How... Think about it, how the division is popped up here, the heresy is popped up at Corinth. Again, what's the quickest way to destroy unity? It's to follow someone other than Paul. And that's what Paul's getting at. If you're to speak the same thing, same mind, same judgment, and you're not, why aren't you? You're verse 12. You're following someone else. If you are consumed with the earthly ministry of Christ, we follow the words in red. Now, if you've got a Bible with red words, that's your business. I, I know it's a marketing gimmick when it first came out because Bible sales were down because I read the sales reports when the, that, book first, that Bible first was produced. And I was like, wow, this is just a marketing gimmick. I can't read them because they're distracting to me. When, as I'm teaching, as I'm reading, to come across different color. I think George had a, one, a Bible with different colors all through. And I'm like, I, would just, I wouldn't get a word out. You know, I'm just trying to figure out. You know, and that's just me. It's a personal preference. There's nothing, because it's the Word of God, okay? Especially if it's a King James Bible. But the thing is, is if that's what is consuming you, then it is possible for you to be causing divisions amongst the body. That's what Paul's getting at here. If you're following Peter, rah, 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 
and you're following Acts 1 to 7 in your doctrine, you can be responsible for causing divisions among the body. That's what Paul's getting at here. Again, I told you, the niceties are off. It's, he's plowing them now. He's hitting them now. Why? Because they need to be corrected. What do you do when your child is disobedient? You correct them. You don't, this, anyway, don't get me started on all that. <laughs> because the, that's what Paul's doing. So at Corinth, there is a group of people that are following the words of Christ to the point that they are rejecting Paul. They believe the words of Christ. They don't believe Paul. But yet, what did Paul say? Christ is speaking where? In me. They're following the messianic doctrines today, not rightly dividing the word. And that this is what causes the biggest division. Those who say, I believe in the red words of Christ and... Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And yet, what do they reject? They reject Paul, the revelation given to him, his authority, the message, the ministry. But yet, what do they do? They attack you and I and say, you just worship Paul. You belong to an occult. You follow, what are you, you know, you're crazy. And yet, the reality is that the, <laughs> is that if you advocate for a time-past doctrinal system, and you're doing it in the name of Christ, you're the cause of the division, see? And that's the reality of it. So in 112 here, be back there, these four guys, and again, think about Satan, Romans 16, that's behind there. How are these guys getting you to follow Christ? Or Apollos or Cephas, what are they using? Good words and fair speeches. I call him Mr. Smiley, and he just smiles all the time, you know. And they do. They do. The biggest one is the health and wealth stuff. You send me a 1,000, God will bless you with 10,000. I told the guy, why don't you send me a million, and then you'll get 100 million, you know. And then we'll, oh, no, we don't do that. I'm like, yeah, I bet you don't do that, you know. How does he, how is, how does Satan operate? Good words, fair. He's using God's word, isn't he? He uses, again, scriptural, not dispensational. But now here in verse 12, who is Satan using? God's men. See, Satan now comes in and he not only uses the word of God, but now he's using God's own men against the body, against God's people. You see, he's not just messing with the book anymore. Now he's saying, here are the lead. Because who was Christ? He's the Messiah. He's the leader. Who was Peter? He's the chief apostle. He's the leader. See, who was Apollos? And Apollos, again, will represent John the Baptist. He's the crier in the way. Important people. Who's Paul? He's the apostle. I, I always think about when people say, who is Paul? And I go, you know, that sorcerer, that devil knew who Paul was. He says, Paul and Jesus and Christ and Paul I know, but who are you? <laughs> he knew who, you know, and but yet what is the adversary doing? He's using now God's men against God's people. And the satanic policy of evil, of attack against the body is very clear here. And that's what Paul's laying out. He not only is he using God's word, but now he's using the men. Come over to 2 Corinthians chapter 5. Second. So the problem in the church today is not only their failure to rightly divide the word of truth, but it's also their failure to follow God's man, the Apostle Paul. So they're following the wrong men, those different doctrinal systems, and they're trying to take that and make it be what it is for today in the dispensation of grace. So 2 Corinthians 5.16, Paul says this, Wherefore, henceforth, no, we no man after the flesh. Yea, though we have known Christ after the flesh, yet now henceforth know we him no more. Think about that. 
What, how, did, do we, can we know Christ after the flesh? Yes, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. But how do we know him today? Not after Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, but after now the heavenly ministry, the ministry uh, message and so forth given to the Apostle Paul. So Paul, Paul is letting the Corinthians know, he's reminding them here, we don't know Christ after Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. We know him how? After the information, the revelation of the truth. Come over to chapter 10, 2 Corinthians 10. <clears throat> Again, there is an element at Corinth who are following the earthly ministry of the Lord Jesus Christ. And they are messing with the church at Corinth. Also, by the way, they're messing with the other churches, but here we're in Corinth. Remember Romans 15, verse 8? Jesus Christ was the minister of the circumcision. See? Paul never... Is that true? Yeah. Is that scriptural? Yeah. It's just not dispensational. Look at chapter 10. Look at verse 7. Do ye look on things after the outward appearance? If any, notice, man, trust to himself that he is Christ, let him of himself think this again, that as he is Christ, even so are we Christ. Now there's a lot going on in that verse, but just kind of think about the attack here. There's a man who has come into Corinth, and he's preaching Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And he's saying, we belong to Christ. And Paul says, if that's the case, then you would recognize that what? We belong to Christ too. He's not recognizing that. He says, he belongs to Christ. Paul says, he would then recognize, we belong to Christ. And he's not doing that. By the way, if you look at verse 10, for his letters say they. It starts with a he, with a man. Now there's a they. There's a group. So he's come in with Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, the Old Testament, all that, and he's done what? He's gathered up a little, sec a little group, see, Are, uh, his letters, in his letters, that's Paul, because of verse 9, that I may not seem as if I would terrify you by letters, for his letters say they are weighty and powerful, but his bodily presence is weak and his speech contemptible. Come down to chapter 11. Again, if you think about the words of Christ, and what Paul's point here is if you're following Christ and, and then you reject me, the question then is, are you really following Christ? Because Christ speaking is where? In, me, in Paul, see. Again, Christ quit speaking after the resurrection, but he's now speaking again, but through Paul. Look at 11.4, 1 Corinthians 11, verse 4. For if he, there's the same guy in chapter 10, 7. By the way, this guy follows Paul into the book of Galatians. Paul never names him. There's some idea maybe he's Hymenus or Philetus or, or Hermogenes or one of those guys. I don't know. But here he does, because the goal here isn't identifying the guy. The goal here is to identify the bad doctrine. How do I identify the bad doctrine? It's to come over here and meddle in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John and then reject Romans to Philemon. That's how you do it. Who am I looking for? I'm looking for someone who is approved. Notice verse 4. For if he that cometh preacheth another Jesus, whom, ye have not pre whom we have not preached, or if ye receive another spirit, which ye have not received, or another gospel, which ye have not accepted, ye might well bear with him. Isn't that interesting? Another Jesus. By the way, we preach Jesus Christ according to the revelation of the mystery. That's why we spent eight weeks in one verse. 
okay? He's preaching another, G, the, another spirit. The spirit there is the spirit of law versus the spirit of grace. Now he's got you back under the spirit of the law. We never preach the, we're not under the law, we're under grace, see? And then another gospel, now he's got you under the kingdom gospel, which is a works thing rather than a, just a faith-only thing, a no-working thing. Come down to chapter 13. I'm, I'm sorry, verse 13. For such are. See that? Who? The people we've been talking about. False apostles, deceitful workers, transforming themselves into the apostle of Christ. They're false. It's not the same ministry or message given to the apostle Paul. It's false. But Rick, it's in the Bible. I didn't say it wasn't in the Bible. It's just not applicable today in the age of grace. Doesn't mean, by the way, next hour, I'm going to talk to you about some things about the Old Testament and what we should understand and know in the Old Testament. It's not, we're a people of the book. We're to, we know Genesis to Revelation. We should, okay? But the thing is, is we know what's to us and what's for us, <laughs> okay? And that's, that's the issue here. Uh, come on over to chapter 13. Again, verse 3. Since ye seek a proof of Christ speaking in me, which to you it is not weak, but is mighty in you. Again, what are they doing? They're claiming to be following Christ and at the same turn rejecting the Apostle Paul, his message and his ministry. By the way, 13.3 is the underlining tone of 1 Corinthians and 2 Corinthians and the other two letters that he wrote to them. Is that is, is they're looking for a proof of, are you really our apostle? And there's that questioning, that denying of the authority of the apostle Paul. And what Paul has done, by the way, up to this point, is he's laid out a series of proof. And he's proven to them that he is the apostle. Okay? Now, come back to chapter 1, verse 12. Paul's point here, and by the way, you can preach a kingdom gospel and be sending people to hell. You can, because you told them they had to work to get saved. And what is the gospel message? Just simply believe. By the way, if you preach a kingdom's gospel, you cannot preach the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ. He told them three times he's got to go die, be buried, and resurrect, and they denied it. They didn't understand it. They didn't understand it. They didn't understand it. And it isn't until the Acts ministry that they fully got an idea of what he was talking about after the fact. So when you hear, I know the denominations out there, they love 1 Corinthians 15, 3 and 4, preach it all day long, and then turn right around and say, okay, if you want to stay saved, you got to work. Then what did they do? Chapter, verse 17 of chapter 1, you just made the cross of Christ of none effect. You just destroy it. So you got this stuff is dangerous. That's why Paul's hitting it hard. He's not. He, <laughs> you offended me. Oh, poor baby. Paul is the original toughen up buttercup guy. He really is. He's not. He he is not worried about offending any of you because this isn't about your justification. It's about your walk in life and time. See. And that's why we drew that and so forth. We've got five minutes to do two hours. So just look here real quick, okay? Paul's point here is you are not, fo they are, you're not following Christ when you exclude Paul from the equation. You're calling yourself a follower of Christ, but you exclude me, so you are not a follower of Christ. You're a hypocrite. You're dangerous. How do we fix it? And that's where we're going to go. Now, the order in the verse, 12, is reverse of the historical order. Okay? And the question here, again, when you think about this, about the church at Corinth, they're roughly 20 years after the death, burial, in Christ. They're about 200 miles away from Jerusalem. There is no way under God's green heaven that they know the personality or the likability of Cephas or of Christ. They're not around. So there has to be what? Somebody there doing a, the man, the group, teaching them 
good words and fair speeches, dragging them along, okay? So how do they become followers of Christ or of Cephas? Apollos is there amongst them. Paul is there. Somebody's telling them. That's why this is deeper than a personality. It's a doctrinal difference, okay? Again, see, Peter wasn't amongst them. Now, look at verse 13. So the four guys represent different doctrinal systems. Verse 13. I think I told Ricky we'd get to verse 12, but just look at verse 13. Is Christ divided? Now, that's a great question, all right? Because what Paul is going to lay out now in verse 13, was Paul crucified for you? No. Was Christ divided? No. Or were you baptized in the name of Paul? The answer to that is no, because it's in the name of who? How were they baptized? In the name of Jesus Christ, Father, Son, or so forth. See? But notice the question here. He's not saying that we all are preaching the same thing, but what, he did, what Paul's getting at is would Christ allow all four doctrinal systems to be operating at the same time? And the answer is no. He is not the God of confusion. He's a God of order. Because if all four are moving and operating at the same time, all we're going to have is division, not unity. We can never keep the unity of the Spirit, Ephesians 4, if we're doing what? Picking and choosing where we want to be. Because there's not one Lord. There's, by the way, there's not one baptism. Because the Lord Jesus Christ, there's three. You got John, you got fire, you got water, you got spirit, you got all, you know. So you got a, a thing here. So you've got Christ. If you think about Christ, we're going to do them in reverse order real quick. I'll just give these to you and then we'll pick up here because I really want to look at the thing about Apollos. But if you think about Christ, what gospel did he preach? The gospel of the kingdom. What about Peter? Galatians 2, just so you see this, Galatians 2 verse 7. And then, again, we'll pick up here. I'll make a mark that we'll pick up at verse 13, and then we'll work through this. Look at 2.7. But contrarywise, when they saw that the gospel of the uncircumcision was committed unto me, as the gospel of the circumcision was unto Peter. Now, that's Acts ministry. All right? So, because the gospel of the circumcision is something very specific, and it's specifically... It doesn't start until Acts 2. And it's specifically a reference to the development and the, and the growth of the little flock, the believing remnant. In Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, Christ preached, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. That's the good news of the kingdom. It's here. Okay? How do you get in? You repent, you're baptized of John, and boom, you're in the little flock. Peter picks that up, keeps that, by the way, Acts 2.38, but he adds to it some things that aren't in John's baptism. What does he add? Do you remember? You're in Acts 2.38. He adds the Holy Spirit. That's what he adds. No, you're on the same line. See, he says, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the remissions of sins, and ye shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. Nobody ever said that until Peter did right there in 2.38. The Lord never said it. John the Baptist never said it. They never said it in the Gospels. In the Gospels, it was repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Peter add for the remissions of sins and get the Holy Ghost. Why? That's the Gospel of the circumcision. Specific, different. Then you go to Acts 18. Acts 18. Here's Apollos. Oh, man, I just... Apollos, so Christ, gospel of the kingdom, earthly ministry, the kingdom's at hand. Peter, I'm moving into the Acts ministry, and it's a gospel of the circumcision, specifically about things here about the, uh, the little flock. Acts 18, verse 24. And a certain Jew named Apollos, born of Alexander, an eloquent man and mighty in the scriptures, came to Ephesus. This man was instructed in the way of the Lord, and being fervent in spirit, he spake and taught diligently the things of the Lord, knowing only the baptism of John. So Apollos is going to represent going back to John the Baptist. 
and John the Baptist's ministry. What did John the Baptist declare? We're going to go over a few minutes because I'm started, okay? So we're going to go to 13 and we'll, not, we'll pick up where we leave off. What did John the Baptist declare? He's out there with that reed, and what's he doing? Sprinkling them, baptizing them, and, and so forth in the Jordan there. What's he doing? He's a crier in the wilderness. He's a voice in the wilderness. Prepare you the way of the Lord. Here comes the Messiah. Who is John declaring's coming? The Messiah. What is Apollo? So verse 25, only the baptism of John. Who is Apollos looking for at this time, at this moment, when Aquila and Priscilla find him? in the synagogue at Ephesus. He's looking for the Messiah. He doesn't know the Messiah has come. He doesn't know Acts 2 has happened. He just is looking for, he's just right here. He's looking for the Messiah. He doesn't understand the Messiah has already come. He doesn't understand the death, burial, resurrection. He's looking, to, now look at verse 26. He began to speak boldly in the synagogue, whom when Aquila and Priscilla had heard, they took him unto him and expounded unto him, now watch, the way of God. More, see that way of God? They took him, they sat him down, verse 27, and when he was disposed to pass into Achaia, the brethren rode, exhorting the disciples to receive him, who when he was, helped, when he was come, helped them much, which had believed through grace. How did he help them at Corinth, at, at, at Achaia? Verse 28, what did he do? For he mightily convinced the Jews, and that publicly showing by the Scriptures that Jesus was what? Wait a minute, he started only knowing John the Baptist. Aquila and Priscilla brought him up to speed. By the way, he got saved under Aquila and Priscilla, so he's a member of the body of Christ. And now what's he doing? Jesus is the Messiah. And he's, see how he just, so at the moment, what's going on at Corinth is they're, they're reverting back over here to old John the Baptist. You know why, by the way? Because we want to eat locusts and have honey, and, 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 and we're just suffering for Christ's sake. So we're on our third wheel, and we're, you know, just, oh, woe is us. It's called will worship in Colossians. Now, look at 19. 19.1, and it came to pass that while Apollos was at Corinth, Paul, having passed through the upper coast, came to Ephesus and finding certain disciples and said unto them, Have ye received the Holy Ghost since ye believed? And they said unto him, We have not so much as heard whether there be any Holy Ghost. Isn't that interesting? And he said unto them, Unto what then were ye baptized? And they said, Unto John's baptism. These guys don't even, all, all they're doing, they're stuck back there in the past. They don't, all they knew, they never heard the Holy Ghost. Now watch verse 4. Then said Paul, John verily baptized with the baptism of repentance, saying unto the people that they should believe on him which should come after him, that is, on Christ Jesus. Paulus, all he knew was John the Baptist. What's he looking for? He's looking for the Messiah. He was great. He was operating under an out-of-date program. He was not up-to-date. Aquila and Priscilla bring him up-to-date. And the reason for that, by the way, is he was very teachable. He learned. He wanted to know. He wasn't stuck. I know this is, all, this is mine. He grew. So all, when you think about the, the four guys in verse 12, what are they representing? Different doctrinal systems. Apollos, he's back to, he predates Christ's earthly ministry in the picture. Christ covers the 12 apostles, a little flock, the kingdom is at hand. Peter, Cephas, that's the Acts ministry, the gospel of the circumcision. Paul now is on board, and here's the age of grace. Paul never was water baptized of John. Paul never preached the gospel of the circumcision. Paul never preached the gospel of the kingdom. He was never a part of any of that ministry. Actually, he was what? The persecutor of it all. So the church at large sits in this category. They're following. They're either following John the Baptist, Apollos. They're following the earthly ministry, or they're following Acts 2. And that's caused the mess. So Paul says, 
enough of that. Here's how we're going to deal with it. Now, time is up. You're six minutes over, so you can go and dread the heat for the six, for the, and we'll pick up here. And we'll review this next time and move forward, okay? Don't, and by the way, don't think I'm upset with you if I get a little err, because that's what Paul is. Paul is a lot of err in this, and I'm trying to get that across to you, because it keeps you out of trouble, okay? All right, Dear Father, we thank you for the morning, Lord. We thank you for your word. We thank you for the folks' patience and, and their willingness to look into these things and to consider what Paul is correcting us in the doctrine here that we may then be on guard that it doesn't enter into our lives, into our thinking, and into our judgment. In your name we pray. Amen. All right.